In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the internet. One podcast, the Grawlix Podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh yes, the Grawlix Podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. Hey listeners, it's Moose with a quick announcement. Just wanted to let you know that due to an extended runtime, I decided to split this episode into two parts. You won't have to wait long to find out when part two comes out. At the end of the episode, you'll get all the information you need to know. So what do you say? Let's get this show on the road. Roll music. Welcome, horror hounds, to another spine-tingling episode of Moose's Monster Mash, the show that knows when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. I'm your host, the never-famous, always-infamous Moose, the Monster Masher. And joining me on this episode is a man with no spare time to speak of. He's a freelance podcast engineer, the producer and co-host of the Growlix Podcast, as well as the founder of Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network, Please welcome to the show the ghoulish Growlix Growler, Mr. Randall Sylvie. Welcome, Randall. It's nice to have Hi. you on the show. It's it's nice to be here. What's going on? How's it going? It's it's going. It's going. For those listening, he is the reason I have my own show. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, we we were talking, and you know, if if you caught last month's episode, Billy uh, and I talked horror and. Randall's the one that said, "You know what? Just start a show. Just, just, just do it. <laughs> Get off my show. Start your <laughs> own show." I was thinking about this earlier today. I was like, "I was like, okay, I'll be on another episode of Paul's show." I was like, "Wait, I've never been on this show because you and I have podcast together so much, and yeah. I've been on like your live moose show, but I've never actually been on your your regular podcast proper." So yeah, I'm excited. So yeah, this this is. So if you don't like it, it's his fault. <laughs> well, well, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I have no creative control of this show. This is all you, man. So what we decided to do for this episode is we decided to take a look at some of Romero's works. We are going to look at Night of the Living Dead from 1968, Night of the Living Dead from 1990, Dawn of the Dead from 78, and Dawn of the Dead from 2004. Yeah. You know, yeah, I sound a little lackluster on the 2004 one, I know. I apologize. Oh, interesting. Um, It's hit and miss. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Not to give too much away, but I'm with you on that. People love it, and I am not that wild about it. So, the unofficial official title of the episode, Romero's Reanimated and Remade. That's real dark. <laughs> George Romero's not with us anymore. But then again, he is like the 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 grandfather of zombies, so uh I think he'd be okay with it. Hey, with this new technology, he could be with us. Oh, you're right. They're just CGI him. So do you want to jump in head first? Sure. Into Night of the Living Dead? 
Yeah. So with Night of the Living Dead in 1968, we got our we finally got a new take on zombies. Before that, there was like white zombie, but everything prior to that was all like voodoo zombies. Yes. This is the first of what most people now consider like the modern zombie. The, the when modern, most people think of zombies, it's this. The the, the modern like flesh eater and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you hint, you mentioned it a second ago. Romero is uh, listed as the father of the modern zombies. Mm, okay, yep. Would that make uh, Richard Matheson, writer of I Am Legend, uh, the godfather of modern zombies, since that's where Romero got the uh, idea for the story from? Interesting. Um, super interesting. I guess so, because if you now, not based on the actual story itself, but looking at, for example, the Vincent Price, uh, Last Man on Earth. I say Last Man on Earth, Omega Man, and then the Will Smith I Am Legend later. Last Man on Earth specifically feels, they're called vampires and they talk, but man, they're straight up zombies. They're like this. They're very much like Night of the Living Dead style zombies, except a l- more cognitive. Well, see, and that's what R- Romero was thinking. Like, he wanted to make a movie, and he read the book. He's like, you know, this, this the the story's laid out great, but it needs a beginning. He's like, I can't use vampires though. Matheson already used vampires. Uh, let's go with zombies, but we we're not going to call them zombies. I don't think he ever once called them zombies in any of the movies. That and that's something that you know it's kind of a zombie movie tradition, at least for a long time, is that characters don't know that they're zombies. They don't call them zombies. They're just the resurrected people or whatever. They're, they're the walking dead. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead jokes about that, like kind of pokes at that by the whole thing of like when somebody says a zombie, they're like, Don't say the Z word. So <laughs> or I guess the Z word because they're in the you know. UK, but, uh, but yeah. And then, so after he changed it from vampires to flesh eaters, our modern zombies are born and we have, and from there, I mean, we now have the entire night of the living dead franchise, the walking dead, obviously. Oh yeah. I mean, I, there was a time when this statement would have kind of blown my mind, but because I used to hear people, you know, after the aughts, when zombies kind of really blew up and went mainstream again, um, I'd hear people say, oh, I'm tired of zombies. And I used to be like, You're, you people are crazy. I'll, you could never get tired of zombies. But I'm kind of to the point where I'm not tired of zombies, but I don't automatically get excited about a thing just because it's a zombie, because we are so saturated with zombie things. Well, that um, seems to be the trend we go on we went from vampires in the early 90s segued into vampires werewolves and they were everywhere and then now we're in the zombie renaissance yeah and i i I feel like we're definitely on the tail end of that i i it's not quite it almost seems like it peaked with not in terms of quality but in terms of like mainstream appeal world war z um and this is something we can touch on later 
but when I was watching the remake of Dawn of the Dead, I was like, wow, this is actually like a legit big budget, big studio zombie movie. It's that's pretty cool. And then I was like, I guess the next time we get something like that is the tail end of this whole, like if it started with 28 days later and Dawn of the Dead remake, it kind of tapered out with uh, world war Z, I think. Yeah. And I mean, walking Dead's still going pretty strong, but even it's yeah. on its back, you know, back end now. Not to say there won't be like good vamp or good zombie properties, but uh, just in terms of like the zombie craze, it seems well, like, like we're on I know the tail end. Uh, George Romero's son is working on a prequel to uh, Night of the Living Dead. I was reading something about that. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. Hopefully, we finally get a okay. What actually caused the virus? I don't want it. That's something I don't ever. I don't want. I don't want it. In fact, for the longest time, this movie, Neither the Living Dead, in my mind, I was like, well, they don't explain it at all because most zombies don't. Zombie movies don't. But I'm wrong. They do kind of explain it more than I remember. Um, I say they give a a pretty decent what if. Yeah. And I, I just don't, I mean, I guess, I just don't think it's necessary. I, I think it's creepier uh, the way Don presents it to where, of course, Don has a sequel to this, but in Don of the Dead, they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. They don't ever really even, they don't try to figure it out. It's just like, that's where that whole line, that famous line that you, you said um, in the intro about the dead walking the earth, um, that's where that comes from. It's just like, well whatever good enough you know explanation the 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 ken forty uh famous line that he gets to say twice <laughs> yeah uh with night of the living dead i i mean a lot of horror horror fans know this but the original had that nice uh, copyright snafu which i was reading about this earlier today <laughs> Because I knew it was in the public domain because of some issue when it first released. They just didn't copyright it. I didn't realize it was as simple as if you don't put the copyright notice on the film, it goes into public domain. It's like, wait, what? There's not like a registry or something? Back then, no. It was, and all because the original title was going to be Night of the Flesh Eaters. And they didn't think that would appeal to a a widespread audience. Mm -hmm. So in like the 11th hour... It was, okay, uh, Night of the Living Dead. And they just forgot to put on... Yeah, the, the copyright notice copyright was on the original... Yeah, it was on the original title screen, and then they and just... Re- so it was public Ooh. domain as soon as it was released. Could you imagine how upset a lot <laughs> of people involved in that film were? Oh, Romero, man. I'm sure, the, all the producers, like, I bet they're... Ooh, I bet people were real upset. I'm willing to bet Romero aged 10 years on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't generally... When I'm watching a movie, horror movies, any type of movies, I don't generally root for somebody to die. Until I came to this movie. I wanted Johnny to die. Johnny's a Wh- dick. Why Johnny? Johnny's not bad. <laughs> no, Johnny's a dick. I mean, I, I realize... That everybody treats There's, their siblings like crap, but he's just an ass. I mean, they're at 
their dad's grave. It's a big inconvenience for him. And then, of course, you get the other famous line. You know, they're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming for you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. And there's one of them now. Yeah, and it's... It it looks like Peter Capaldi. I mean... (laughs) Oh, that's why your note about Capaldi. Okay. Yeah. I was so confused. Like I was watching it again. I was like, did the doctor decide he wanted a day off and go film a zombie movie? <laughs> <laughs> but he's her brother. Like, yeah, he is being a jerk, but and it's said, he's not the biggest dick in the movie. So Yeah. I was gonna say, like, why Johnny though? Like he's he's not the worst offender in this movie. No, no, he's not. So at this point, what do you think of Barbara? Oh man! At this point in the movie, yeah, or just in general? Oh, yeah, at this point in the movie, I don't know. She's that's why it's hard for me. That's why it's hard for me to condemn Johnny at this point because, like, they're just being petty siblings, and she's just kind of being. She's kind of annoying, but uh, as the movie goes on, she is just the worst she's i mean well she is pretty ridiculous and let's fast forward a little bit she's fleeing from the zombies and she has a good lead on him she gets to that house she doesn't knock to see if anyone's home she just tries to open the door like like it's her place just like hello it's like don't you think you should look see if somebody's dead things are chasing you there could be somebody on the other side of that door with a gun i ain't walking in that door yeah. Oh no, she's not. She doesn't do anything smart. In fact, she does nothing this entire movie. Well, and then when she becomes, you know, useless, I, I don't understand what the trigger was because the Walking Dead that are chasing her are fine. She she's completely okay with that. But she sees a dead body upstairs. Well, and she's I, done. I read that simply as. The shock had the initial shock, the initial adrenaline and uh, primal desire to, to, you know, primal desire of flight, need to get away, finally wore off. And then just the shock of the whole situation set in. And I don't know, it's an it's kind of an interesting thing to do with a character. It's not the most interesting thing to do with what seems to be our main character at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Another weird thing I thought about was Ben makes a comment. You know, he goes, "We we don't want them to know we're here." But then it was we got to get more lights. lights. We, we got to get all these lights on. It's like, wait, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah, I know. I I agree. I thought about that too. So I I rewatched. I, I've seen both of the Night of the Living Dead's many times, but I rewatched both of them for this episode. And I watched the remake before rewatching the original. And I think that might have been a mistake because the remake does some super interesting things to not Jazz fix. <laughs> well, just alter in ways that it's like making good on the things the original was like. Yeah, Barbara is a weird, useless character. So they intentionally do the opposite of that. So I think rewatching the remake before this was a little bit of a mistake because some of the. For example, in this, um, what well, I'm sorry, what was his name? Uh, who's our actual protagonist of this movie? Uh, ben. Ben. 
Ben gets to do his like his story of like what he's witnessed the the gas tanker and all that, and pretty good performance I thought. Um, he gets to do his story, gets kind of emotional, you know, at least kind of like very serious. So then Barbara, after he's done, Barbara's like, "All right, my turn to tell my story," and she's very historic, kind of hysterical and worked up about it. Ben's got no patience for her story. Like she just sat there. Like of course she was, you know, whatever. She's kind of out of it, but she sat there and listened to his whole story as he went on and on as he's pulling this table apart. And then she starts talking. He's like, "Would you just stop? Just, just calm down." <laughs> it's like, dude, just listen to her story, man. She listened to yours. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> that seems so odd to me this t- this time around. Well, Ben's personality throughout the whole thing was a little off. I mean, he very much had the alpha male persona. But throughout the whole movie, he seemed weirdly comfortable in the killing and the just doing everything that needed to be done. I mean, for just a standard citizen, he seemed perfectly fine with, okay, yeah, I got to stab these guys in the head. Well, and it plays out this kind of the same way in the remake. He's had the most experience out of anybody in our group here. Um, he, cause he tells a story about, you know, his story is about, <clears throat> excuse me, with the tanker. And basically he ended up in a situation where there's like 60, nothing but zombies and him and like 60 zombies looking at him. And so he booked it of course, but it's like, he has more experience with them and dealing with them definitely than Barbara. And it appears within anybody in the basement. So, um, you know, that's, I guess maybe that's part of what makes him our protagonist. He's, he's, he's the man of action here. Um, well, and then, yeah, then we get the guys from the basement who couldn't hear anything, but then did hear things. And I thought it was cool. Ben kind of called, uh, I think it was Harry out on it. I think, yeah, Harry was the D bag in the basement. He's like, wait, wait, at least get your story straight. You know, you either heard it or you didn't hear it. They waited a long time to, to finally come up. That's something that the remake kind of remedied. They come up earlier and actually like before they start basically boarding up the entire house in this, they wait until (laughs) he's pretty much got everything boarded up before they actually come up. It's like, really? Grandpa would have called them blisters. Blisters? Yep. Show up after the work's done. Uh, oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Do you think they would have been better off hiding in the basement or sticking to the plan they had? Oh, <laughs> well, so I don't fault Ben's logic. And I don't know if he, I can't recall if he plays on it as much here, but I, I, I don't fault his logic in like not wanting to board yourself up into a box and risk getting trapped in there in the remake. And maybe in this one, I didn't catch it this time, but in the remake, he at least says, and I know I'm, I'm sorry, I'm bouncing back and forth. No, no, you're fine. With you. It's hard not to, they're so similar. Yeah. But in the remake, he has a line that he's like, you know, basically like, no, let's do what we can do here. And if we need to fall back in there, we can fall back to there. Yeah, say so the basement's the fallback in the original. It seems more like he's like, no, the basement's just a death trap at least we can escape here. Um, 
I think that's solid logic. I, it's definitely a better idea to have the basement as a fallback. And as the story goes, the basement would have been the way to go because their plans do not go well. And the only one that survives, spoilers for Night of the Living Dead from 1968, uh, the only one that survives is Ben because he ends up locking himself in the basement. Well, which is. God, it's so good. Well, he survives till the morning. <laughs> he survives to, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's another hallmark of what I've always considered, in my opinion, great zombie movies. Is ultimately the zombies aren't the threat. <laughs> the zombies are a nope, natural it's the rednecks. <laughs> well, it's the rednecks. It's usually some d bag who uh, has to cause conflict within whatever group. Um, the zombies are just. The you know the natural threat the nat- the environmental threat I guess the real threat always comes from within or comes from other people in what I consider like the best classic hor- uh, zombie movies and like this is the perfect example of that. The, here's another uh, quasi philosophical. Uh, let's wax poetic. I- I've often wondered, not often, I've always wondered, why are zombies afraid of fire? Is it human nature or is it a nod to Frankenstein's monster? And that's just what we go with. Interesting. Because that would at least, because typically the zombies in this, in the original Night of the Living Dead are a little bit different, I think, than even what most modern zombies became before the fast zombies, you know, not including the fast zombies. Because the fire thing infers that they have some sense of, self-preservation yeah whereas in most cases they have none of they don't at all um they also use tools in this they pick up blunt weapons occasionally and that's not a very zombie thing to do um but yeah i guess maybe it would call back to the frankenstein thing or just a little bit of the like romero's zombie series definitely usually plays on the the zombies are operating on some sense of memory. They remember that's comes into play with Dawn of the Dead a lot, but uh, you know, there's there's some sense of like, I guess primal memory or whatever what from what they used to be, and it doesn't get much more primal than fire hot, you know. So, yeah. uh, I guess it's that. It's a good question though. I say it's it's one that for as long as I can remember, it's always been they're dead. How do they know to fear fire? You know, and then you remember Frankenstein's monster. And it's like, oh yeah, he was dead, but he got that taste of, oh, fire bad, you know? So it, it's always been a, uh, just made me wonder if it was always just like a callback. I'm calling out your, like, not to like give your, pull the curtain back, but you have, you have great notes on this. And one of them is, I want to slap Barbara. <laughs> oh, I wanted to slap the shit out of her. <laughs> so did Ben, and he did. No, I don't. Ben didn't slap her. It looked like Ben <laughs> Colcocked her. It looked I like know. he put the fist to her chin, and she ends up with a bruise on her chin. Yeah, I'm like whoa, whoa. Well, it's like when she started like freaking out, and it was she was getting annoying, and it was just like you know what. It was one of those, if you don't shut up, it's like, and listeners, I don't condone hitting women. 
it was one of those situations though where it wasn't just her wigging out it was she, she was trying to open the door and get out she was she uh, needed like, to be brought back to her senses yeah she was panicking and trying to get out because i don't remember why but uh she was going to open the door i think she wanted i think it was she was trying to go find johnny yeah i think that's what it was like you know more out of her mind than she is most of the other the, yeah. most of the movie um and then still, still though like <laughs> maybe don't close fist punch her in the face that's probably no. not the way that's open hand just the smack the do. crap out of her you know just uh, hey sit it, down lady ben is a big dude he could just hold her down for a bit until she settled down yeah. if need be he didn't need to like clock her across the chin wow it's like if that's not a, you know, quasi-spousal abuse, I don't know what is. And then they present the idea that it's space radiation from what was it, the Venus probe, that caused all of the dead to rise. Does that even make sense? I mean, that that would have to be a very widespread radiation spill. They there's an interesting line about the radiation is increasing. To, to where it's like engulfing the planet more, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I, I find that that's, it's such a, I, this is 1968. So I guess, I don't know. It, it feels to me more like a much more fifties monster movie type thing. It's radiation, yeah. you know, uh, product of, I guess the concerns of that time. Which I'm sure kind of go into the ninety or the nineties, the sixties still. But um it's such an odd way to go about it. You know, right after they talk about the radiation, they cut into this uh press conference and they're talking to this army general and a scientist, and I couldn't help but think, you know, the scientist is talking and talking and talking, and the general all I could think of while he was talking was he reminded me of Goldblum from Jurassic Park. Ah, just the way he talked, you know, just the comments he would make. And, and I can't remember any specifically right is now. Is he like, I don't, I, this, I'm not quoting him, but is he like <laughs> the dead find a way? It's similar. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's about that style and just that nonchalant, just, you know, it, it, it happens, you know, <laughs> like, it's just like, huh. And then we cut back to the house. And we decide we're going to go gas up the truck. It never goes well. With a torch. The torch, man. Never goes well. We're gonna, we, we couldn't find anything else to chase off the zombies than standing in the back of a pickup truck with an open flame to get or, gasoline. Or if you're going to have a torch, don't throw it on the ground right, like, practically under the gas tank where you where you fill it up with gas. Or in the case of the sequel or the, the remake, don't throw it in the bed of the truck. You carry it away. You carry it with you. Ben doesn't need to be right next to the truck when that happens. No. Take a few steps away. Like, ten feet. Give him a ten-foot window. You're good. That was just poor decision-making. Also, it's Judy, right? His, his the, the kid's yeah. girlfriend? Maybe ditch the jacket. Yeah, that's her, that's their downfall, and the way her she delivers a line, she's like, "Ooh, my jacket, my jacket's stuck." Boom, buy jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
if it's me or the jacket, guess what? That jacket's gone. And then we get back to something you touched space on a minute or two ago. The zombies here were using tools. This movie had mm-hmm. smart zombies. It is smart zombies, which is... It's interesting because I never... Zombies... I like I like a dumb zombie. But Romero likes to explore smart zombies. And that really, like... Carries through into the next movie a little bit. But more so into the third movie and beyond. Well, could it be like a first gen thing, especially in this one, since this is right when they're reanimating, they still have that little that, bit of muscle memory left to where they're still kind of human. I mean, that makes sense to me. Like it, it's the first zombie attack of the movie. You see it where he, the one zombie Barbara is still at the cemetery and she's in the car after she's scratched the car up against a tree. Uh, the one zombie's like hitting the window and then he looks onto the ground and sees a rock and it's like, Oh, and goes for it yeah. and smashes the window out. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's not just like, Oh, here's a, I come across this thing that I can use to bash. That's like looking for a tool. So yeah, that's, it's interesting. They are, they are smart zombies. So yeah, th- th- that's, you know, at least caveman level intellect. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, th- they know how to use the stairs. They're turning doorknobs. They're, they're not just oh thump you know it's not what we've come to see in most zombies today Mm -hmm. these guys they had a plan and then we get to harry who was hardcore focused on getting the gun from ben and everybody else He's the villain in this. He's he's the clear and obvious villain in this movie, and it's, dude, it's so good. Like it works so well, uh, because they just. First off, he's such a jerk and and frustrating, um, but, to where, it's like his wife's about to get pulled through the, door from zombies, and he's still not motivated to move away from that basement door in case he needs to escape down there to save his own hide until he sees Ben drop the gun. And that's when he's like, my chance, that's what motivates him to run up there. And it's not to save any of them. It's to grab the gun. Um, No. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a good villain, I think. So, which begs the question, could Morum survive if he wasn't so hell bent on self-preservation? I mean, yeah, if so I, I think mean, the zombies not the two in the truck. <laughs> no, no, the two in the truck wasn't his doing for sure. He didn't really have any hand in that. In fact, he was actually, I mean, he didn't have to do much, but he went up and uh, firebombed the Molotovs out the top window. And I was like, wow, he's actually like helping without giving them any guff. That's, that's okay. That's something. But, uh, but that's the end of it because Ben comes back. And he doesn't let Ben in the house. Ben has to kick the door in to get back in. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, if he definitely, because the zombies are getting in the house regardless. The, Ben's plan is not going to work because they are going to bust through the windows. But if he hadn't have like created this conflict, they could have just then easily escaped into the basement and been fine till morning. 
just be careful if you're peeking out the window once morning comes. <laughs> I said they might have had to kill the daughter, but that's ooh, that's true, and that would have been. I think that would have played out. Uh, it's hard to avoid. It's hard to avoid Harry not messing everything up for everybody. I think it would have played out about the same way it played in the remake. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then we get to poor Ben. The house gets swarmed with zombies. He gets to the basement. His whole party's dead. He's hanging out. He makes it till morning. He hears the dogs barking. He's like, this is my chance. I made it. Freedom. He goes upstairs. I see something moving in the house from the field. Shoot him in the head. Boom. Dead. End of movie. How? <laughs> it's a shocking ending. And I have to imagine in 1968... No pun intended. That blew people's minds. It's like nobody got a happy ending. No, everyone died. The one guy who survived, like it's more tragic tragic because he made it and then was killed by the people that would have otherwise rescued him. Um, dude, this movie goes super dark, like really dark in two spots. And that's when Barbara gets it, when Barbara bites it, or I guess gets bitten, I should say. Yeah. By her the brother. Fact- Dude, the fact that's it. The fact that they had it be Johnny as a zombie that shows up at the end and is the one that pulls her out. I'm like, oh, dude, that's in the entirety of the Romero series and the remakes. I think that is ties that only is tied with one other scene. And that's the the Don remake baby scene for like darkest moment. Dude, it's super dark. But then the end of the movie is super dark where Ben gets it. And I love the credits. It's the creepiest, like with the photos, the super zoomed in grainy photos. It goes in with the grainy photos, like uh, Texas Chainsaw style, where it's yeah. like lost footage, that style. And the, 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 the sound and the music and through actually, I think through the credits, it's kind of the lack of music. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. The remake does a similar thing, but I don't think it's as good. In, say, in terms of the credits. It's not as effective in the credits. On that note, we can chug right ahead to 1990 into the uh, remake of Night of the Living Dead. Warning. The following may contain spoilers for the remake of the Night of the Living Dead. Listener discretion is advised. Which introduced us to uh, some of today's more well-known... Horror icons, we had Tony Todd playing Ben, who, mm-hmm. after this movie, became you know, more associated with Candyman. Bill Mosley and Tom, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this, Towels, uh, both from the Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses uh, series. Tom played uh, the sheriff that died in the first one. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then William Butler... The guy who played uh, the kid from uh, the boy from the basement has done a bunch of like B and C rated horror movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the like gingerbread uh, house franchise, like the gingerbread man. I'm sorry, that's all him. Oh, it's okay. it's a weird franchise, and this is Tom Savini horror legend. It's his only full length movie as a director. Super interesting. Tom Savini is a le- dude. He is a legend. 
Um, he's known for effects work and stuff, makeup work. But, dude, he's also, like, he was in the original Dawn of the Dead. He's uh, he's in, I, I guess, younger people I think might he's know. he's in all of these. Dude, he's... Well, he's not in the original Night of the Living Dead. No, he's from... That was a little before his time. Uh, but Night On, because uh, I'm pretty sure he made a small scene as a zombie in his remake. And then, yeah, he was in both Dawns. Um, he was My, in Friday the 13th. Yeah, he was in... Um, I was going to say younger audiences, but, dude, I'm old because... This is too old for younger audiences, but uh, more recently in terms of like something you might recognize him from, if you don't know who we're talking about, uh, he was in more recently, still almost 20, it's like 20 years old. Uh, oh, I, I lost the name of it. Um, the Robert Rodriguez Dust movie Till Dawn. With, from Dust Till Dawn. He plays Sex Machine. Yes. Super memorable character. He's got the, the uh, cock gun. <laughs> um he was also in what is the more modern uh, Planet Terror. Yeah. Again, again, not modern. It's old, but he was in that as a cop. Uh, he, yeah, he's awesome. Which is why the first like death really irritated me, considering how well he is with special effects. The Johnny Dummy really threw me off. When, when John, <laughs> and if listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back, watch the remake, and when Johnny dies on the headstone. It is clearly a dummy. Like and, a full body dummy. Yeah, full body dummy. And it is just, if they would have pulled the camera back a little bit, it might have been different. But it is just, oh, it is it is terrible. I mean, the, his death is great. Don't get me wrong. But th- th- that dummy just kind of pulls you out of it for a second. Kind of like back in uh, Friday the 13th. What was it? Uh, three was that the one with the wheelchair? Oh, oh yeah, uh, I think s- maybe two. So it might have been two, but yeah, the the, the wheelchair death. Uh, it, it just it it it's a cringeworthy scene because it the, the effects work just isn't. It's there. a dummy. It's a dummy. <laughs> it's obviously a dummy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there. And actually I'm a little surprised that the gore isn't more insane in this. Yeah. The original, not that the original super gory, but I think it being black and white. I mean, there were obviously there was color stuff in 1968, but the fact of it being black and white makes it feel older than it is. And there is some, there's some gore. There's some very surprising gore. You got naked, naked zombie ass twice. Yeah. And, uh, and intestines, zombies playing with intestines. And this one, not that there's not gore, there is. And there's some pretty decent gore. The blood's, the blood work is good, but it's not as wild as I would have expected being directed by an effects special of, effects guy, I'll Tom Zavini. effects guru. I mean, yeah. So that's, I, that, that's interesting. Maybe he didn't want to lean too heavy on that, which is a good thing. I see. What I really liked off the from the start of this movie, it was faster paced. There were more dead guys coming at you. You know, it it just had a more like revved up feel from the beginning of the movie. 
I like how close it sticks. It is incredibly close to the plot of the original. Yeah. It, except there's a there's a couple little things that they changed. Um and almost all of them they make it more interesting. It's not annoying changes, which we'll get into when we do Dawn of the Dead. Like um, the zombie in the house instead of just the dead body. Yeah, there's a dead body and a zombie in the house. It kind of paints a scene for you, which is actually the boy in the basement talks about it later. But uh they're going to see their dead mother at the beginning instead of dead father, and that whole conversation's a bit different. So I thought that was an odd change. That's one of the ones that doesn't make sense, but it doesn't matter. Like it's such a minor detail. And then the bigger changes changes that we'll get into later. But yeah, I don't know. I really like how close it sticks. I said the and first then, half of the movie is almost shot for shot with some, you're right. Minor tweaks here and there. Uh, uh there ahead. is, Oh, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to stall out your, Oh no, you're fine. I was just going to say well, since we're kind of talking about, we're doing comparisons. One of the cons for me for this movie is like, it looks good, but I feel like the original has more style to it. And I feel like, and I think the, the style and the original part of that is simply dictated by the budget. But I, part of what I like about the original night of the living dead is especially when it's dark in the house, all the high contrast, dark, dark scenes, lots of shadows. Um, It just lots of shadows and it feels like a lot of Dutch angles, but I have a feeling it was not intentional Dutch angles. It was just awkwardly handheld camera. I say whether intentional or not. Yeah. The cinematography in the first one I think was better. It's awesome. Yeah. And this one just doesn't, I mean, obviously they're not trying to mimic the style. But it, it, you know, I don't know. The style, it's okay. It just has, it kind of has a lower budget 1990s movie style, early 90s certain movie style uh, look to it, I guess. And that's kind of a con for me. Um, but that's not to say it's not well shot, because I think it is. I say, yeah, this definitely, you, you could tell just by watching it, you could tell when it came out, right? You could tell it was filmed in the 90s, I mean, the 80s. It just has that look. Yeah, There's just, I mean, every kind of decade or every period, <laughs> it does because film processing changes throughout history. And uh, I have I, a friend of mine is actually really good about you throw almost a movie on from almost any time period. It might be a little different now that we've gone digital, but almost any time period. And he can nail it within a few years of when it came out just based on how the, like, the color and the film looks. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like a fun drinking game. So. What would the what would the drink? <laughs> and by drinking game, I mean we'll just have him do that while I drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> one of the problems, and it's not a problem. I have trouble going back to this movie after watching Candyman, <clears throat> and because yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if you realized what my note meant, but after watching Candyman, seeing Tony Todd play Ben in this movie, it's like watching Dr. Huxtable fight zombies because it's, he's more of the Dr. Huxtable character than the Candyman character that you know and love. So it's, it's hard to see, to to make that correlation of, it's like basically him going to a good guy. Yeah. 
So it's like, oh, Dr. Huxtable? So, real talk, I remember, like, nothing of Candyman. It's a movie I've been meaning to revisit, um, but I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through, but maybe once around the time it came out. So, I remember nothing of it. So, I didn't really have that problem. Um, I think he's a good recast, though, for the Ben character. He is. It's just I I have the trouble with the separation of characters. I mean, it'd be like putting Robert England in as a good guy somewhere. I mean, it'd be really hard to... No offense to Robert England, but like putting him in as anything that's not Freddy is distracting (laughs) and doesn't work for me. So maybe it's that, huh? It's kind of that. It's basically anything that's not Candyman or some mysterious, like who shows up in a final destination is a little kind of minor character. Yeah. But he's ominous. Yeah, I gotcha. And then I noticed in this version, Barb's a lot calmer and Ben (laughs) seems almost calculated in what he's doing. Like he comes in with a plan with exactly what he's going to do, what he wants to do, you know, where he's headed. And the dynamic between those two is a lot more interesting to me than it was in the original. So this definitely kind of gets into the area of like the changes they made to quote unquote fix problems with the Barbara character. And, uh, and part of that also has to do with the way Ben treats Barbara because Barbara is, she's calmer even when she's still in panic mode in this, but she does, it plays like she's going to go into hysteric, uh, like a uh, catatonic mode at the beginning where she doesn't really talk to Ben like at all for a while, but this Ben doesn't punch her in the face. No, he gives, he gives her a hug and I'm like, Wow, what it like it's such an obvious intentional like you know how she like wigged out in the original and then Ben punches her in the face. What if he actually just gave her a hug, man? What if he was just a nice guy? <laughs> Not that the original Ben wasn't nice, but uh yeah, he gives her he gives her a hug and I'm like, "Oh, okay. I I really like how they're approaching this." And then Barbara, dude, they I I, I kind of love it. Like I feel like her character arc would seem slightly cheesy if you didn't have the knowledge of the original Barbara because with that knowledge of the original Barbara, it makes this work way better because it's a, it's a gradual, like she finds the boots, which I also appreciated that that was a nod to the original. And that at one point, Ben finds shoes for Barbara in the closet. She don't need Ben's help in this. Uh, oh, no. She she finds boots on the porch and she puts she puts on boots. Eventually, she ditches the dress and puts on like green. Uh, they're not army pants, but like green pants. See, they, they turn Barb into a badass. Yeah, totally, totally, and uh, to the point where she's the most useless in the original, which is saying something because there are some useless characters in the original. To where she's the only truly. I mean, Ben's good. Like Ben's got a plan. He's not unintelligent. He's super smart. But when it comes down to it, she's the smartest one in this movie. She's the only one with a plan that would actually work, and nobody will hear her out on it. Oh, for sure. Um, she's the, she was the only one that survives, and she actually survives. Yeah. That, that, that was a welcome change. 
also noticed that the the basement dwellers weren't as uh, dickheaded as they were in the original. I mean, Cooper kind of was, but he wasn't, like, up to Harry's level. He, he was still into that whole self-preservation mode, but he seemed more willing to cooperate. Really? It played a little different for me. Like, I felt Cooper in this is more, or at least maybe he's more boisterous about it, or they give him more screen time to, like, just complain. But he felt like a bigger dick in this than in the original. But everyone else seems, like, the the kid doesn't seem as irritating in this. No. He seems like... Because when they, in the original, when they both come up from the basement, it's the, it's the as you called him, I can't remember his name, so I'm just going to call him the boy from the basement, uh, which would make an interesting horror movie on its own. <laughs> or a, like, super cheesy Disney special for little girl little girls. It's the boy from the basement. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, in the original, when they come up, they both are kind of like, listen, we didn't know what was going on. Yeah, we heard screaming, but, uh, you know, we we thought it was those things in here after somebody. Well, no, we didn't hear anything. Like, they both are in denial. And in this, Harry comes up, or Cooper, I guess it's Harry Cooper, but Cooper comes up and he's like, we couldn't hear anything down there. We don't know what's going on. And, and the kid's like, that's not true. We were just scared. Like, he, you know. Yeah, like, he's like, no, we heard it. Honest. We, we just... Don't lie. We we weren't coming up. But also in this, they didn't wait until Ben had entirely boarded up the house no. to come up. They come up earlier. So that also kind of remedies, makes them by default less of a dick group down there. Well, and Judy is more outspoken in this one, too, because like at one point when Cooper and Ben are arguing, she's like, you know, just stop it. You know, stop it. If you guys don't knock this crap off. You know, this is, what is that guy's name? This is Basement Boy's house. Yeah. What is his name? <laughs> I'm going to look it up. I got to know. Yeah. You know, so if you're lucky, we took you in. Okay. First off, lady, you're just his girlfriend. Yeah. But... You don't, you don't live here either. <laughs> you're lucky he took you in. Uh, Tom. Really? We couldn't remember Tom? Well, I mean, it's a pretty generic name. <laughs> I want to make sure it's the I know they didn't change it. Oh, that was Bill Mosley as Johnny. God, yeah. I can't believe I never realized that. So you can hear it in the voice. He had more hair than But yeah, Tom. Tom was Tom's the boy from the basement. So basement boy Tom. It, it was his house. And yeah, she she goes off on him. It's you're lucky that he let you in here and it's like, uh, lady, y'all were in the basement. <laughs> y'all didn't let nobody, I mean, you let Cooper and them in, but outside of that, y'all locked yourself in the basement. You're right, though. She is more outspoken, even though she's not u that useful in this. I like the Judy in the original, only because she's less annoying, but she's super useless all the women in the original really don't do anything no like, like they don't contribute at all and at least this this movie makes a point of kind of remedying that even if judy is not that helpful in this 
at least she, like you said, she's a stronger character. She gets in it. She's like, you guys, stop it. Like, you guys need to knock it off. Well, um, like when they're going for gas, it's, we lost Ben. Well, why didn't you say something? I was yelling at you. Yeah, and she's the one that can drive the truck. Sure. Yeah. She's, the, she's, like, probably the better at driving the truck because she has, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd say of the women in the remake, the wife has nothing to do in the base. The wife in the basement has nothing to do. Yeah, no, she, but she, she is, there. she's still strong in that it's not on similar to how she's portrayed in the original, but kind of hoping she'd smack her husband. But yeah, I know. I know. Me too. It's like, please just, just right across the face. Just one good wallop. I guess in the original, though, she doesn't really put up with her husband's crap that much. No, she she tells him off a couple times. Mm-hmm. And while we're still comparing to the original, there's one thing. Speaking of the wife, when she dies, I love that. So, in the original, it's... First off, I like the scene in the original. It's super weird. It's also an example of a zombie using a weapon. In this case, the little girl zombie uses a trowel to stab her to death. So it's really weird that a a zombie uses a stabbing weapon of sorts and a trowel at that. But, uh, instead of just biting her. Yeah. But I like how that scene plays out. It's super weird. They put this weird phaser flanger flanger effect on the audio of the, of the wife's screams. And it's super weird and dreamy and kind of creepy. So I like that scene, how that scene plays out. However, in the remake, I do appreciate that they don't do the trowel thing. I don't remember any of the zombies using weapons in the remakes. They're more standard zombies, I think. She bites she bites the mom, the wife, and then it cuts to a shot of the trowel on the wall and blood spray hits the trowel from yeah. the, the wife getting uh, bitten. And I'm like, I love it. That's what a good nod. It's like, yeah, they they at least throw it back to the trowel. They're like, we know, we know this is different, but like, you know, come on. That trowel thing was weird. You know it. (laughs) See, And then we go to get gas this time. And Tom, the basement dweller, is a moron. So the fuel pump is locked like it, you know, has been. And he has the wrong keys. Why didn't he take the butt of his gun and hit the lock? This is another nod to the, this is, again, this is like the trowel scene. I kind of love this. Even if it's not super realistic, I kind of love this because in the original, same thing. Key doesn't work for whatever reason, even though in the original they say it's labeled for the gas pump. So they shoot the lock lock off. That's fine. That's not what causes the downfall in the original. In this one, same situation, except except it's not Ben. Ben doesn't shoot the lock off. Ben's away from it a little bit. He goes to shoot the lock off. Maybe shooting at a gas pump, gas pump isn't the best idea because then it explodes. And I love that they did the little turn where it's like, yeah, don't shoot at gas pumps. <laughs> <laughs> the original, that was kind of a dumb thing they did. So in this one, that's what kills them. Well, I love and, that. And we learned... That even the dead won't pass up a good barbecue. Dude, I know. It, both of them. <laughs> both of them. They, they're all about it. Like They're like, mmm, num, barbecued ribs. 
I actually like how that plays out better in the original than the remake, even though the remake, the remake's a little bit more graphic. The original that leads into like one of the best, like zombie feeding scenes to where it's almost like the zombies are orderly going up one by one and picking something out of the burnt, uh, wreckage and then going off and eating it. And it's got that cool, like synth weird yeah. old 60 synth sound. Um, and this one, it's still good, but like they pulled the entire burnt, corpse out of the fire and they're picking at it. And I was like, yeah, okay. say this one became more of a buffet. Uh, and so, and then we get back up to the house and all of a sudden, sorry, my uh, voice cracked. That was weird. Did it? Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. Guess, at 60, you finally hit puberty. Hooray! I sounded like Pee Wee Herman for a second. So we get back up to the house and the boardings that have held for the entire movie all of a sudden, can be pushed off the windows. How in the hell did the nails just all of a sudden fail? Well, you know, the, the, the explosion worked the zombies up, I guess. And maybe they watched Ben kick through the door and they're like, oh, if we just put force into it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Because, yeah, I mean, they've been pounding on these things the entire movie, and all of a sudden it's just like, plop. Plop, plop, just one by one. Boards are just popping off everywhere. And it's just like, hey. And the other thing, that must have been a very well-organized farmhouse. Because I don't know about you or your family. My nails aren't organized that well. (laughs) I can't find... If I needed long nails, I wouldn't have been able to find them that fast. Dude, I was thinking about this. (laughs) I was thinking about this exact thing watching this. I was like... I don't know that I'd find any nails in my house if I needed to board up one window, let alone every window in a large country home. That's and when I find screws. Now, the the remake did like a smart thing of a convenient thing, I should say, of uh, the owners had been renovating some of the rooms upstairs. So there's conveniently like hammers and big boards for them to use and stuff like that. And it doesn't focus too much on it, but I did like it does come into play, and it's like, oh, okay, okay, that's whatever, that's smart. But yeah, it was just like I've worked on a lot of projects, and I I can never find the nails I need afterward. I always have to go buy more until I'm done. Then I find the ones I need. But I digress. (laughs) So once again, Cooper's the downfall of the group. But this time, it's beca- primarily because he won't shoot his daughter. I mean, the 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 whole this everything just kind of falls apart in a little bit different way, and it is Cooper's fault. But at least this one, I mean, maybe don't start just shooting the other people. But <laughs> at least this one, they give him a little bit more t- to motivation that makes some sense. I mean, yeah, we know his daughter's a zombie; she's going to kill them all. But like. I, you can understand, like, it's his daughter. Yeah. Don't point a gun at my daughter. I, you can understand that. So, I, I do kind of like that. Still, though, he's a jerk. Well, and then, you know, so we, we, we get through the shootout. Uh, which is which is mainly, I don't know why I'm clarifying this for the listeners. If they're listening to this, they've probably seen this. But I say it if uh, not. Oh, are you in for some spoilers? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Like, man, 
this is actually a movie that I think could stand. I mean, the original Night of the Living Dead, even the Dawn of the Dead movies, dude, everybody's seen that. Everybody who likes a show like this that you're doing here, they've seen those. I don't hear a lot of people talk about the Night of the Living Dead remake, and no. it's great. So this movie probably could stand a little spoiler warning because it's part of what makes it good is is the things that they changed. But yeah, so there's the shootout between uh, Ben Cooper. And Barb's just like, all right, knock it off. You know, what the hell are you guys doing? Did Barb, did Barbara shoot the girl, though? Because she's in it. She's in the mix. So I think, yeah, she's the one that ended up. uh, She shot the girl. girl. But that was after Cooper had already shot Ben once. So yeah, Cooper shot Ben. Ben shot Cooper. Barbara shot the girl. Yeah, Barbara's like, this is the real threat. (laughs) And then Barbara went off to find help. And while Barbara's off looking for help, Ben goes to the basement. Cooper finds a hidey hole in the attic, which we didn't even know there was an attic. Uh huh. Which would have been nice to know. Look, there's another place we can go hide. Which is kind of like the best place. And we get Ben laughing maniacally at the fuel pump key on the wall. It's which was good. which was great. It's it's yeah, it's pretty good. It's down in the basement. And in this one Cooper gives them you in the original you at least get a sense of like once Cooper's up there that like if they needed they could go down and look around in the basement for stuff. In the in this one in the remake Cooper don't want them to touch anything that's in the basement. Oh no. So that's also more Cooper's fault in this one than it was than it was in the original. So then Next morning, Barbara comes back with help. You know, there's she's seeing bodies getting carried out. Find out there's zombie in the basement. Oh, wait. Can we get to something major thing? Major point. One of my favorite aspects of this movie. Is it the redneck shooting gallery? No. How did Barbara get away? How did she get help? How did she get out when they've been trapped all this time? Maybe it's because she was looking out the window and she's like, they're so slow. We could just walk past them because they are. They're slow zombies. She's like, we could just, if we just stay away from them, we could just walk right past them and nobody will hear her out. They think she's crazy. And you know what? She's right. She just leaves and walks right past them. She has and to hit a couple of them, but. She, yeah, I mean, sure. But like, so long as you keep, like, she's, so long as you keep moving, don't let them like surround you. You're, you're fine. And I love that angle because it's, she's right. And it plays it so well. And I love the scene when she is, she's walking away and there's like, she comes across this like old lady zombie who's holding a doll and she's like, just pushing the zombie, the lady around. Go away, go away. Just basically like, this is really, this is the threat. Like, seriously, we could have just did this. We could have just walked walked right by him and push him around, push him out of the way. And uh, she has a great, the actress. um, See, it was very much, everybody died for nothing. What's her name? She's in stuff. She's in stuff. Uh, Patricia Tallman. She, dude, she, I love when she, yeah. I love when she, she has her little like freak out. She's like a super irritated, frustrated, like, like she just yells. So good. I love that scene. But I had to mention that because, yeah, that's yeah, the whole, that's the solution. If they'd have listened to her like 45 minutes earlier, 
they could have just walked out. And if you wanted to stay in the basement and get eaten by the little girl, you stayed in the basement, got eaten by the little girl. Yeah, and to be fair, they had the little girl issue, but man, they could have just carried her. Like, as slow as she's walking, they could have just carried the little girl and they'd been fine. And when she turned, put her on a leash. (laughs) Put her on a leash. She's a white kid. You could put white kids on leashes. One of those little stick leashes that keeps them a little ways away. (laughs) I think they did that at Walking Dead. Like the Turner and Hooch uh, dog control leash? Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail, but I had to bring that up because that's one of my favorite aspects of this. It's so good. Like, that's one of those changes like, I'm like, that's super clever, but at the same time, not because it's so obvious. But I love that they actually did it. Uh, So, yeah, then we get back the next morning. There's a zombie in the basement. And she's thinking it's Cooper. Turns out it's Ben. She sees Ben get shot in the head. And then someone comes up behind her, and it's Cooper, alive and well. And without blinking, without thinking about it, she brings up the gun and just, boom, right between the eyes. Hardcore. You know, and it's funny, because I was going to ask if you'd shoot him, but then I got thinking about it. It's not a matter of would you shoot him, it's how many times would you shoot him? I wouldn't have waited. I'd have shot him that night. I'd have shot him before. I'd be I'd be right there with Ben in the gunfight, shooting shooting Cooper dead. Because man, that guy. Okay, maybe not. That sounds you know, getting to real life. Maybe not. But dude, I know it's the wrong thing to do. But I love that she just shoots him without even. Oh yeah, she's just thinking. Oh, you gave me a scare. Boom. It's really kind of another one for the fire. It's more about, it's really kind of more, the whole end of this movie is more about how Barbara's changed, how she's different. And I'm not talking like from the first movie. I mean, like from the start of the movie character. Yeah. She dude, it, yeah, it, it, it changes her. I say she went from somebody who was afraid to be in a cemetery to Sarah Connor. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah, totally. You're not wrong. Who? Yeah. If you would have went with her, you would have lived. I uh, deeply enjoyed this rewatch. It's oh, been a long God, time yeah. since I watched this. Um, and I've heard people say, like, it's the remake nobody talks about that's arguably better than the original. And I don't know if I could. I wouldn't say it's better than the original. I'd say parts For, of it are better than the original. The original is a classic. It's it's the same, but different. But man, it's good. It's so good. I'd, I'd say it's as dude. It's one of the. It's one of the few remakes that I think, is stands super strong. Like it's a good remake, um, that's still faithful to what it's remaking, but changes things in the right way. I don't know. Well, and I think part of why people think this remake's better, is because crazy. It's copywritten. And it's not aired everywhere you turn around. I mean, you you watch a movie where they're watching a horror movie, nine times out of ten, it's the original Night of the Living Dead. You know, I mean, because it's public domain, you could watch it just for the hell of it. But it's also like, 
one of the best of the public domain movies. Oh, it is. I it's mean, public domain because somebody messed up, not because it's either super old or was yeah. like a B grade movie that nobody cared about. And so it never got renewed. Yeah. So, I mean, looking back, honestly, it could just be a matter of this is one that a lot of people just don't have access to because it's, it's not widely available. No, it doesn't, get, it doesn't get streamed really anywhere right now. Where did I watch this? I think this is on Tubi TV, maybe? No, maybe. It's on some weird, one of those weird kind of free streaming services. It's not on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> really? I don't know who has the rights to this right I now. Um, I, I know a book about this actually just came out recently. I'd seen a post on Facebook, a uh, book about apparently there was a lot of trouble trouble with the production and the original story the original what they were going to shoot was much different than what ended up happening so that i find fascinating um and so yeah I'd, I'd like to i and it's not a movie it's since it's not talked about much it's not a movie where you can actually find a lot of background information on um well there's an interesting documentary about the original uh, making the uh, making Night of the Living Dead on Amazon right now. That is really good. You get some nice interviews with Romero and stuff like that. That ties in really good, and you get some nice behind the scenes stuff that you don't otherwise get. That honestly, if you haven't watched, it's it's very much worth uh, taking a look into. Oh, that's actually old news, I guess. Night of the Living Dead 90, the version you've never seen. It came out in September, just this last September. And yeah, it's, it. oh, it's by Tom Savini. And uh, yeah, it's it's about basically what that movie was going to be before changes. And I'm assuming about, oh, it's got storyboard gallery and stuff. Um, yeah, just a bunch of the behind the scenes stuff. So that's, that's, so cool. he can now add author to his laundry list of credits. Oh, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's, I'm sure there's gotta be other books he's contributed to. Yeah. Grand illusions, bizarro, something called bizarro. I mean, I'm sure he's written. Oh no, I guess just the three listed on Amazon hmm. to about makeup effects and the night of the living dead book interesting hmm. that is interesting really hope you enjoyed our discussion on both nights of the living dead after you're done battling the shopping centers for black friday be sure to check out the electronic media collective.com for part two of romero's reanimated and remade and now a quick sneak peek at an upcoming project and then we'll get out of here scare you later horror fans Oh, Pa, hand me those marshmallows. I want to make some s'mores. Whose idea was it to go camping in December? This is ridiculous. Well, it's Friday the 13th. You have to go camping on Friday the 13th. Why is that again? This doesn't seem like a good idea. Because if we don't go camping on Friday the 13th, how are we going to talk about Friday the 13th, 4, 5, and 6? You're right. You're right. That'll make a great follow-up to the last Grolic Cinematic Universe Friday the 13th special, in which we talked about parts 1, 2, and 3. That's right. We talked about when Jason was born. So this time we get to talk about, like, teen angst Jason. Jason's hit adolescence. 
now he's starting to come into his own, but he's real emo about it. And the directors weren't sure about him either. <laughs> yes, that is quite apparent. Well, you know what? That's a good idea. We'll talk about some Jason movies around this campfire while we try not to freeze to death the week of Friday the 13th of December. Hey, how can we freeze? We have a nice lake for ice skating, we have a fire, and we have a killer somewhere in the woods. What was that? Quick! Let's get out of here. We need to go to GrawlixPodcast.com. It's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com and check out the Grawlix Cinematic Universe Friday the 13th Special Part 2 coming up in December. I'll be joined by special guest co-host Paul of Moose's Monster Mash and we're going to talk about Friday the 13th Part 4, 5, and 6. You know, when the series really started to... It just really started to get real good. On second thought... I'm just going to sit here and wait for Jason to come. Monster Mash. Come back for more chills and thrills if you dare. <laughs>